0: Well, hey, Woodside family, welcome to another exciting edition of The Link. I'm so glad for you joining us today. I also want to say a very special welcome to our guests and friends who may not be a part of the Woodside family, but uh, really enjoy these conversations. Today, we're going to have a really important talk about a pretty big theme in Scripture, and that is idols. Idols. Uh, What does it mean to have an idol in your life? You know, one theologian once said that our hearts are idol factories. We've been wired to worship. So if we're not worshiping Jesus, we're gonna worship something or someone. And I believe that what God calls us to is full fidelity to Him. And so that means that idols are an intrusion on that. And so we want to talk about how do we identify the idols in our lives? And more importantly, how do we get free from them? As always, I'm joined by some really awesome people. So sitting to my left is Lauren Frith. Lauren works in a lot of different roles. She serves at Royal Oak campus, helping along with her husband to lead out small groups. She also works on staff in our HR department and uh, so grateful for you, Lauren. God bless, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, Ben Hickson uh, works at our White Lake campus and has served our families really well there, uh, working with students and now as the associate pastor there. So grateful for you, Ben.
1: Glad
0: to be here. And then Don Anderson, kind of the newbie, Uh, to our staff. But Don uh, has just come on overseeing uh, global ministries here for us, Global Missions, Woodside Cares. Uh, Don has a long history of ministry and uh, deep roots in the Woodside family. Don, thanks for joining. All right. So since you're the new guy, I'll start with you. Um, Oftentimes we use these terms, right? And idols uh is a term that is not necessarily modern vernacular and it has a kind of deep biblical meaning but if you had to give just kind of a plain definition of an idol what is an idol and uh and maybe how do we know that there's an idol in our lives
2: yeah i think one of the interesting things being involved in missions for much of my life is you talk to organizations that are really working on the front line really working tribal missions they'll tell you they have not gone into an area where a tribe is not worshiping. God has created us to worship, and in the absence of his truth, we find something else to put that worship in. So in many of the tribal situations, it could be the sun, it could be the water, it could be a mountain. And as religions sort of formulate Uh, we can see that that gets a little more sophisticated. So if you look at Hinduism, they have 33 million gods, and each one of those gods has an idol. In fact, I've met men whose jobs are to create idols. And so as you drive through lands like uh, India or other places where Hinduism is, is very strong, you go by temple after temple after temple, and in that temple is an idol, an idol to a god. And so a man spends their time trying to figure out, how do I please that idol? How do I please that God? And it's, there's no security in it. And they're never sure if they're doing the right thing. And it's usually based out of fear. But in the end, it's we are created to worship. And so when we do not know, we do not have connection to the true God, we're going to put our faith, our trust, our worship to something else, and that's an idol.
0: You know, I, I think, Ben, as uh, as Don was talking about, all these biblical passages and examples, I mean, you got Paul when he goes to Ephesus and all these men you're talking about, whose job it was in industry to make idols are threatened by Paul's presence there. And then you got Moses going up to the mountain to be with God and Aaron uh, loses his mind. And makes this golden calf, right? What's so alluring about idols?
1: Why is it that we're so drawn to uh, idols? That's so, uh, so important to understand because the thing is, um, you know, at, at least in our culture here uh, in America, where I'm at today, uh, so often idols aren't things that are perhaps uh, a statue uh, or very, very plain in that sense. In fact, um, few people would bank their hopes in something that they're uh, not in love with. And so what our idols end up becoming are things that charm us, things that allure us, things that we're greedy for or hunger after. And anything can be an idol, but especially the best things in our lives. Uh, They give us meaning, they give us security, they make us feel alive or help us to feel valued. But Idols can also uh, kind of from the opposite side propel us forward out of fear or out of uh, concern for our safety. And um, so our common idols, the the major ones, at least in our culture today, so often are uh, love or being loved and uh, the way that that can drive us through relationships that are unhealthy or consume us. Power and that, that desire to be in control over people, money or uh, accumulating things or possessions or status, even achievement or, or happiness. So many things can be an idol and those things, they charm us. It's, it's replacing God who's designed to be the center of our heart with something else that uh, should not be the ultimate in our lives.
0: Yeah, you know, when you uh, talk, I think of the famous book by uh, Dr. Tim Keller, right? Counterfeit Gods. It's a book we're going to recommend you read. We'll have more information in our postscript about it. Uh, but Lauren, as I think about this conversation, why is it so dangerous for us to have money or sex or power or people pleasing affirmation as an idol in our lives?
3: Yeah, well, I, uh, I like to think of it as the Gollum effect.
0: Okay.
3: <laughs> where if you think about the character Gollum in Lord <laughs> of right. the Rings, right? right? Where he just yeah. had to have this ring. And um, his entire, all of his, the actions of his entire existence were yeah. oriented around the protection of this thing that he just yeah. had to have. And ultimately it led to his ruin. Yes. Ultimately it led to his demise. And yes. I've had those Gollum moments in yeah. my heart, right? Yeah. Where, where it's something that that I just, I, I can't let go of. I, yes. I can't let, it's, it's something that I believe I need. And I yes. think that that is something that is true of idols. We believe that we need them at our deepest core. And so when we're pursuing wealth, when we're pursuing money, I don't think it's money itself, right? That it, it's the security yes. that it brings. And so to continue to uh, seek after that security, ultimately we'll just it will just leave us more and more anxious because it'll right. never be enough. Yeah. And uh, and if we're if the idol is seeking out control, like and I think I think for even people who love the Lord and and want to please Him, mm-hmm. I know um, even in my own life and for other friends of mine, an idol can be having the perfect christian family yeah. you know a family who walks with the lord and but if if that becomes the focus rather than the lord himself that we're pursuing mm-hmm. then you start to instead of discipling your children you start to try to control them yeah. and instead of shepherding people you try to manipulate them into yeah. what you want them to do right so i think to to prize something other than jesus in your heart will then ultimately uh, manifest itself in in your actions, it's going to determine what you do. It's going to set the course of of your life.
0: In a very dangerous way. And Don, as I listen to Lauren, I I think about how this kind of plays itself out in our lives, how it's played itself out, even in my own life. And there's so many dangers in this whole thing. For the non-Christian, you brought up the fact it can keep us from a relationship with the one true living God, right? For the Christian, It seems like idols can cause us to live a life that is not a proper reflection of the gospel, right? But it seems like one of the big dangers is this false sense of control, that somehow by having this, that I'm going to be in control of my my life, that I'm going to have some control uh, when I really don't. Why is that so important for us to obliterate?
2: Yeah, I, I think when you once again look at the global context and people are are worshiping idols. So we're talking about our idols, but, but if you go back to that context, they are seeking after God, but it's empty. It's not going to get them there. It's a dead God, so, so it's empty. And, and I think the same thing is true in our lives. When we seek after things that God isn't directing us to or we're not seeking after directly God, no matter how hard we run or how hard we try, it's going to be empty in the end. And I think as believers, even in, once again, when in a global context, when someone comes to faith, all of a sudden they have contentment, they have joy, they have the fruits of the Spirit. And that should be very attractive to those who are seeking after the idols. Just like my neighbor. He, maybe they're seeking after their power, their jobs, or family, or relationships, whatever it is. But they should be able to see in me. They should be able to see contentment. They should be able to see joy. And that should be interactional. That is, once again, when we say God reflecting through us. Yeah to them. So that's the important that we don't put the wrong things in the front because it ends up dead end.
0: Well I love what you just said because the unique aspect of the gospel compared to idols is that the gods are never satisfied. money's never satisfied. Um, pleasure is never satisfied. Power is never satisfied. But the gospel is that at the cross Christ satisfied. Uh, the requirements of God so that you and I could live in a relationship that is not an endless uh, drain of trying to please uh, God in in a way that is works-based, but knowing that I've been accepted and that I am approved and affirmed and I can rest in that because of what Christ did on the cross, I want us to talk a little bit about some of the common idols. You you, you talked about a few of them, uh, Ben and Lauren. Um, I, I'll start with you. Uh, this idol, again, of wanting to be in control. Um, how do you deal with that? How do you confront that in your life? Right. Because you're an expert, I'm sure.
3: At, oh, at, at denying my <laughs> idols? Yes, yes, I am. Thank you for asking. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, um, the red flag to me yeah is um, a growing sense of resentment um, and anger. You know, Don, you mentioned that the fruit of the Spirit Mm -hmm. in my life, so when I'm being motivated by the Spirit and controlled by the Spirit, um, I'm going to respond to people in love and in patience and kindness, that's going to come out. So when I'm pursuing the wrong thing, when I'm pursuing not Christ, um, what comes out is the opposite of all those things. And I think particularly in terms of control, uh, when I'm trying to control my circumstances or the people around me or traffic or, you know, (laughs) whatever it may be i think what 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 the red flag to me is anger is resentment Mm. is a short fuse Mm. i think that's that's been something i've noticed you know um
0: I, i think it's important to look for those red flags when we find that our motivation what's driving us is different than what uh the bible says should be our pursuit of loving god and loving people um i think that we should also um acknowledge the fact that an idol often reflects a deficit in our theology, right? That I really don't trust that God is sovereign, right? Because what we're really trying to control are outcomes. And ultimately, if I know that the outcome belongs to the Lord and uh, and that he's gonna work for his glory and my good, then I can rest and be at peace. All right, uh, babe, I, go, go so ahead. Can I
3: just follow up with one? Of, uh, yeah. I was wrestling through a Gollum moment in my life when I was holding something tightly and I was praying with a friend about it. And she looked at me and said, how do you know that what God has for you isn't better than what you want for yourself? And that question just really changed everything. And again, it was a deficit in my theology, right? It was, I know better than God.
0: That's right. I remember taking on a, a project and uh, for the first time ever, having uh, a really spiritually mature friend say to me, how do you know God wants you to succeed? How do you know he didn't call you to this project in order to refine your character and maybe through failure? And I'm like, what in the world? Where's that at in my Bible, you know? Uh, but it was, it was challenging me with the sense that success was always, as I defined it, was always God's will. Uh, ben, I, I got these munchkins that I'm raising, right? and I can think of a number of idols that they're gonna have to deal with that they're already dealing with, right? Uh, In addition to their tablets, which we have to crucify every single night. It's pandemic Uh,
1: season. (laughs) That's
0: right, that's right. Tablets for you, (laughs) tablets for you. That's right, (laughs) that's right. Um, People pleasing is a big, big thing. I mean, which one of us uh, as a teenager or student didn't go through phases or seasons where the uh, biggest thing in our life was acceptance? Um, but that can be dangerous. So what advice do you give to teens who may
1: be watching or even parents who are trying to help their their student to work through that? I'm so glad you asked because that matters. You know, as parents, we need to be thinking about the subject and and idea of idolatry in our kids' hearts actively and uh, kids and students as well, Um, especially as they're uh, um, brought to salvation, they're able to place their faith in Jesus. Um, then then they have the tools and power it takes to fight this sin in their lives and so yes parents need to be thinking about their kids trusting God alone for their happiness significance and security but but I also want to pause when we get here uh, and just have a moment to to all the parents sitting here right myself included um, as we think about addressing idolatry in our kids lives I think the starting point really is is addressing idolatry in our hearts and and then specifically The fact that our kids might be our idols lauren you were saying that earlier and i think that's so true in our um maybe american dream or in our even church idea of a perfect family the very picture you you set up because um, the very best thing a parent can do maybe the principal thing a parent can do is not allow their kid to be an idol to them because perfect students won't secure their, their happiness, right? Those grades feel good, and you want them to succeed, and you want the best in their lives. But if that's what drives you and as you parent, uh, that, that setting up an idol in your heart that's taking the place of God's best for them and God's best for you, successful students, accomplished students or kids are just not going to be able to replace God. And so anytime parents allow our love, for our children to outpace a love in God, we short circuit our chance to demonstrate to them uh, a worship to God that's true, and really we always kind of begin a process of our kids beginning to idolize their lives and their pursuits and their relationships and their accomplishments. Um, so that's the starting. Wow, point.
0: that's 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 pretty heavy stuff, man. You, but that's you just the starting you, point. You just <laughs> opened up a whole new episode of the link. We'll have uh, to come back, just you and I, sure. for an hour of therapy. Well, I'm not qualified, <laughs> but uh,
1: once I get there, I'll let you know. Uh, the second step, of course, is to actively identify the idols at play and each child's heart because they're not, uh, it's not like adults have idols and kids have idols junior. They're they are the same sin. It's the same identity crisis. And so power looks like social clout or control. Money looks like devices or clothes. Love looks like relationships or friendships that can consume them. And when we identify those idols, we can help them see the biblical principles of uh, fighting them, fleeing from them, putting them away, and instead replacing them because it's not enough just to remove an idol, it has to be replaced with a love for God is ultimate.
0: Yeah, you know, there's so many different directions we can go, but Don, I would love to maybe just on a personal level, just talk about how how this has worked out in your own life, you know, because um, if Ben is right, we all have idols um, in our own hearts. And uh, we've talked about the control part of it, but there's an emotional part of it, right? So taking that idol out of your life, man, there's an emotional side to that, taking money away, or success away, or this sense of, um, of power away, or maybe even an unhealthy relationship. Um, so, so how have you gone about trying to guard your heart, and what advice would you give? Yeah,
2: I think anytime, at least in my life, that I put idols in place, and sometimes I even think they're good idols. Yeah. You know, they're, they're things that, oh, this is church stuff, this is spiritual. But it, it, it's really because I'm trying to replace the question, do I trust God? Do I really trust him? So I may, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to serve, or I'm going to just read, or I'm going to do these things because I'm going to try to earn, you know, and I'm going to try to control. I'm going to try to use all these religious functions to get me where I want to go. And so for me to, to really step back and say, God, do I trust you? And if I don't trust you, am I going to confess that? He he tells us to confess it. So if we don't trust him, we just gotta confess it. And I find once I confess it, then I can sit and listen. And I can listen what God really has for me. And he has good things for me. But am I am I gonna let go of those idols so I can listen? Don, you're saying ministry can be an idol? (laughs) At times (laughs) working hard. My my idol, my idol in life has been workaholism and when i was in the secular world i i one of my jobs was to go buy cots so we didn't have to leave the office and we could work longer but that doesn't stop when you get into <laughs> ministry
1: <laughs> and so
2: we're gonna we're gonna try to please god by working harder by loving harder by doing more and and sometimes that's not what god's asking us he's asking us to be with him
0: it's a hamster wheel it's it's work-based religion and it's the opposite of the grace of the gospel um you know, Lauren, I think about how scripture says that God has given us all things to enjoy, right? So there's this balance. So let's go back to uh, electronic devices, tablets, right? Again, not just for kids, but for adults too. Um, how do you navigate on the one hand, God has given us all things to enjoy. Possessions aren't a bad thing. Um, it, it, you know, Succeeding in life isn't bad. Um, working hard isn't bad. But there is a line that you can cross where that good thing that God is giving you can become very bad, it can become an idol. How do you keep that good thing in its place
3: mm, that's a great question. I think gratitude has a lot to do with it yeah um, I think continually putting your heart and you know if you have children leading them into this into this discussion as well but continually putting your heart in a place of of gratitude to say, I know that all of this is from the Lord. And so then the, the focus is the Lord Mm. who then gave this to me rather than this thing in and of itself that I think I need. Right. I think that's a big part of it.
0: Ben, let's talk a little bit about a dirty word in church circles, fasting, right? Um, You know, I was taught And it was a part of the church tradition I grew up in that fasting was an important spiritual discipline. Uh, That fasting really was one of the tools given to help to uh, rid my life of idols or keep those good things from becoming bad things. Um, Talk about fasting and why that may be important for believers to revisit.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, You know, it has multiple benefits maybe uh, in the sense that on the first hand, uh, it, fasting is about stepping away from whether it be food, maybe primarily in a lot of places, but maybe it's stepping away from activity, or stepping away from busyness, or stepping away from distraction. Uh, whatever we are removing ourselves from, one of the things that it helps us with is it creates space. It creates time to spend time with the one who should matter most to us. It, it's uh, perhaps a Mary Martha situation where you can say, all right, I'm going to stop being busy. And I'm going to sit at the feet of the one who matters in this moment, and uh, so creating the time savings is important there. But the other thing is it, um, you know, in a sense, fighting idolatry can be a muscle that can be flexed and trained and improved. And when we learn to say no to something that we do have a craving for, whether it be food or whether it be distraction or whether it be busyness, when we learn to say no uh, and are able to stay in tune to the Holy Spirit to know this is a time to do that. And I know that he's been faithful with me here in the past. Uh, It builds faith to keep doing that into the future. Um, You know, Colossians 3 says that we're supposed to set our minds on things that are above and not on earthly things. That's what fasting gives us a chance to do. It goes on to say that we've died and Christ, who is our life, is going to come back to us. And Um, in that we get to practice, okay, food, this may be good, but it's not my life. Christ is my life, and and I can meditate on that. Or uh, this show, this binge season on Netflix that I'm in the middle of right now, this might be amazing, and it might be rest, but it's not my life. Christ is my life. And it's so important to keep that in front of us.
0: You know, a good friend of mine, Tom Terrence, who uh, used to be the president of C.S. Lewis Foundation, was a chaplain for uh, in Washington, D.C., for several senators and Supreme Court justices and stuff. And um, one of the things that he trained himself to do is to not go to meetings he didn't have to, unless he was absolutely required there. And uh, I remember asking Tom, Tom, why don't you go to these meetings and his response was, because I don't want my heart to be attached to having to be here as a sense of valuing myself. And so fasting, stepping away from these things, as you said, uh, becomes a very important discipline in all of this. Um, Don, it's easy to talk about it. It is easy to have this conversation, but we really do need God's help uh, to deal with the idols in our heart. I don't know how you uh, just kind of do this from willpower. And so as we kind of wrap up our conversation, uh, can you pray for us? Can you pray for our friends who are watching um, that um, God's grace would help us uh, to maybe walk away from idols that are deeply entrenched in our lives? Sure, I'd love to. God, we just come before you today and, and we
2: recognize that even sometimes in our good intentions that we are holding on to things that uh, they're not of you. We are giving priority to things that uh, do not bring honor to you, and and Lord, I just ask that you would allow us to uh, get away, to take the Sabbath, to spend time listening to you, spend time talking to you, spend time dwelling with you, that we will see what we're holding on to, and Lord, it's sometimes help us to see what we're so clinched to, because we realize When we're clenched to it, we can't take on any of the blessings that you have for us. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us to release our hands, to open our hands, and that we would let go of those things in our life that are not healthy, whatever they be. Lord, they're different for each one of us, but you know us. You know us intimately, and I just ask that you would show us. And Lord, then I'd ask that you would put us on a path to know what you do have for us i ask that we would have confidence that you love us you care for us you're guiding us you have nothing but the best for us and that we would would in that confidence we would be able to get begin to see those fruits of the spirit that our neighbors our co-workers our friends our family that they would see you in us because we are in right relationship with you lord just Thank you that you do forgive us. Lord, we, we've maybe spent many parts part of our life chasing the wrong things, but I thank you that you're you're going to provide forgiveness and that you're going to help us make a new path. And Lord, I just ask that you'd make that path straight before us. We ask these things in Jesus'
0: name. Amen. Amen. Well, Scripture says you shall have no other gods before me. And this is exactly why I want to have this conversation. Thanks, Don and Ben and Lauren. All right, here's what we got to do now. We got to talk about putting all that we've talked about into action. So let me give you three tools or resources that we have for you and one bit of advice. Uh, First, the book, Tim Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods. I would highly recommend and encourage that you take time to read it. Not a long book, but a very helpful uh, book and resource. Secondly, fasting. Yes, I said it. Uh, Fasting, fasting maybe from food, uh, but definitely identifying some things that have encroached upon your heart uh, that needs uh, distance right now. And maybe you set that down for a week, a month, longer, uh, so that you can put it back in its right place. Thirdly, uh, counseling. Uh, Some of these things are really deeply entrenched in our hearts, and so to separate from them will cause a lot of emotional strain and distress. This is why every campus pastor at Woodside has a list of uh, pre-vetting counselors to be able to advise you towards so that you might have uh, someone who could be a sojourner with you on your journey uh, with Jesus. Now, one bit of advice. Deal with the idols in your life before you deal with the idols in someone else's life. It is really easy for us to identify everyone else's idols and be blind to our own. This conversation was not meant for judgmentalism, but self-reflection. So spend time in self-reflection. And I believe that as we do, that we'll find the grace of Christ to be able to worship Him and Him alone. Friends, I've enjoyed being with you. I can't wait till our next edition of The Link. God bless.